0: My name is Jan Welch, and welcome to part two of episode 17 of the Then and Now Blading podcast featuring Fritz Peitzner. In part one, we discussed his blading history. We talked about growing up in Plano, Texas at Eisenberg's skate park. We talked about his competition skating. We dug into the Dallas, Texas skating scene then and now. And we talked about his travels to Europe and South America with his good friend. Josh Glowicki. Now for part two we're going to discuss his big wheel blading and how it's had an impact on his aggressive skating and just his life in general. Then we get into his shop Carriers which is a really cool inline skate shop across the street from where Eisenberg's used to be in Plano, Texas. And we finish off part two talking about his severe head injury that he received skating in a powwow competition at the beginning of COVID. We talk about the fall, we talk about being in the hospital, and we talk about the recovery process and how it's affected him today. I hope you enjoy part two of this podcast. If you do, make sure to hit the like button, subscribe to this channel if you haven't already, hit the bell icon to be notified of all new uploads. I have links to my social media in the description below, and I also have a link to my Patreon page if you want to support this channel. Let's get started with part two of episode 17 of the Dead blading podcast with Fritz Peitzner. Now, I wanted to move on to big wheel blading, Mm -hmm. now at some point you started skating on big wheel blades what
1: motivated you to do that and how long has it been now it's been about definitely been about five six years now and what what motivated me was honestly wanting to quit skating it's crazy like not that rollerblading is not fun or good or anything like that but I hit this like cap where at at that point in my life i had dedicated everything to aggressive skating only i mean from my music to everything i knew like i didn't know anything about anything else besides skating if you asked me about what happened in the news or anything i wouldn't know anything right and i kind of realized this and uh anyways like i i had i had gotten injured my idea was just kind of shrinking and, and I tried to quit and it took me about um, maybe, maybe a month and a half to say three months, right. Where I just got like cabin fever. I just, I couldn't find anything else that I really enjoyed doing. I, I tried doing other stuff and anyways, I, I put on my skates and I skated around the lake. The lake was nine and a half miles. And I got addicted to that and like almost every day I would go to the same lake and skate around it. Nine and a half miles every single day out. And I got an app called Endomundo. You were on there. Yeah. And, and uh, I started tracking my miles and like, then I started looking up like uh, marathon skaters and what their times were for like marathons. And I was like, damn, like, like how, how are these guys doing that? You know, like, why, why am I so bad at this? And and one of my friends uh, was like, have you seen Big Wheels? And I was like, big? what are you talking about, Big Wheels? And they're like, yeah, you know, like the three Big Wheels. And they showed me a picture. This was before the shop. And I was like, dude, no way. Like, no, that's not going to help me. That's just a gimmick. And my buddy's like, dude, give them a shot. Because cause they actually work, you know? And uh, and so so... I talked to, um, Ricardo Lino and he had, I had seen one of his videos. Damn. He was working for power slide at the time. I think. And I hit him up and I said, Hey, uh, really like to try those, those big wheels out. Like, and I'm planning on, on skating to Austin. (laughs) It's funny, dude. The story is funny. And he goes, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's cool. Like I can, I can, uh, I can answer the questions for you and I asked them some questions and then um I ended up riding my bike to Austin. I remember if, that. Dude, a few days later, a pair of powerslide Slide Imperial 125s end up in my front door for free. Like Ricardo Sorry. just hooked me up, right? And and then uh and then my addiction started with big wheel blading because the day that I took those skates to the lake, uh I did, I beat my time by 15, let's say between 10 and 15 minutes. It was a huge jump in time and I wasn't skating any harder. I was like, my flow was just different. Like I felt like a real skater, you know, like not just like trampling around with little aggressive wheels or something it's amazing. And, and then from there, actually, that's like kind of where the, the shop started to be honest.
0: And I remember when I moved to uh, Vermont in 2017, I stopped in Dallas. It was my very first stop after leaving Austin. Yeah. And we skated around downtown or uh, downtown Dallas or
1: where we skated at. Yeah. No, it was was pretty fun. Yeah. That was a fun skate. Do you remember we got stopped by those three guys also on rollerblades? Yeah. I remember that. that. that, (laughs) that, Like that was like, that was really like the the beginning of, of it all. So cool. And how often are you big wheel blading now? I know you're like, then you
0: were just big wheel blading. Then you started aggressive skating again, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. now, now how much are you doing like each of those?
1: Uh, probably, probably like divided straight down the middle. Um, I have a Husky and uh, he needs to run. So I take him minimum three times a week. And we do between 10 and 15 miles together uh now by myself i i kinda i've been slacking um but yeah, it's still about let's say forty five miles a week that's okay. pretty good, so you kind of do
0: more fitness on your big wheel blades versus like more kind of
1: aggressive big wheel blading right yeah no i like urban skating is fun, it's actually pretty cool, but there's not many guys who do that, like a Nick Lomax style, you know what I mean like uh we don't have that here in Dallas. Like, unless I lived in downtown Dallas, I don't have that, that luxury of like being able to skate to and from a spot unless I drive there. And and if I do, then I'm going to meet up with more aggressive skaters. We'll just aggressive skate. And what's the furthest you skated in one go? Uh, It's gotta be, it's gotta be over 40 miles. Um. For sure, 38 miles. I I tracked that one. It was from here in downtown Plano to downtown Dallas. But I also did downtown uh, Grapevine to downtown Fort Worth, which is like, you know, big city to to another big city. Uh, It's got to, it had to have been over 40, 40 miles. So you did that bike ride from Dallas to Austin, which is pretty
0: far. How was that experience? You said you would do it on skates. Would you actually do it on skates after doing it on a bicycle?
1: Yeah, I would love to. Actually, I want to do it. I want to do it this year. There's a lot of cool stuff I want to do this year. Um, yeah, it's it's an amazing experience. The only The only downside that I can say is if you're doing it alone, it's a little bit more dangerous because the cars, like, I think maybe rollerblades might be less sketchy maybe uh but on on a bike like i remember at some points like i would have to get on the service road and 18 wheeler would go past me and my bike would shake and but i loved it like what i love the most same same thing that i love right now with uh with big wheel blading is uh zoning out and like it's almost like a meditation time for me where like all these ideas will bubble in my head, like how am I going to conquer this task? And then, boom, I get these like really cool, like almost like daydreaming, right? But I'm but I'm skating or or biking. That's what I loved about going to Austin. Like that was like yeah, also one of my best experiences in my life because I I I did give myself the opportunity to be quiet. You know, like I like uh, <clears throat> I like being out and about and. I even go to sleep watching movies and stuff like that. Like I have to have something in my ear. Uh, but when I, when I bike or when I, when I biked to Austin, for sure, right. It was radio silent, just the noises that were on the outside and my meditation. And then same thing with uh, big wheel skating. Like it's one of the small opportunities that I have to, to really zone out with no, with no interference in those times it's okay for me to to deny a phone call right it's cool i'm sure somebody like caleb smith would
0: go on a skate from dallas to austin with you dude that guy is
1: awesome he did um i met him here i met him i think i met him here once he's like tatted up guy yeah uh uh-huh didn't he do like a It was like a only like a biker only event, but he was the only rollerblader, right? Yeah, Ragbri. Now it's it's the
0: race across uh, Iowa. Now he's gotten rollerbladers to do it every year. He's done it like four times. He also did the one I think it was like in Tennessee. This year he did a bunch of ultra. He did like every major city. He would leave from Iowa, go to Chicago, Iowa, go to like Kansas City, um, to from Des Moines. So he did a lot of skates this year. How many miles? I mean, 400, 500 miles. Damn you know? it,
1: I'm, yeah, I'm, da- I'm down. I, he might, I might be the guy slacking, but I, I want, yeah, I would love to do that, dude. I think what Austin was too, from here to Austin was 200 and s- either 260 or 290 on my bike though. Like, I don't know how fast he goes, but I would, I would love that. Like more than anything, that, that's, that seems so fun to me. So see, weird. he
0: did a double century.
1: He did Athens Atlanta back to Athens plus some. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I I think that's one. I think that was the event that I was gonna mention um that I thought he did, but I knew he did one with bikes. Um yeah, dude. Shit. I mean, I know like he'd be down to, to do it with me, but I would actually I would want to join him and see where they go. Uh because it's a it's a It's a whole cool aspect of skating, too, that that aggressive skaters should get into. Like every single aggressive skater, whether it's whether it's three by one ten or four by 80, they should all get used to skating up and down the street for for fun, because that's how most of us started at the very least, unless you played hockey. But it, it really brings the joy back into skating like you don't have to don't worry so much about getting hurt like you can cruise up and down the street and and it it really creates um uh what's that word called um endurance like when i came back into aggressive skating i had so much more endurance now maybe i wasn't landing as many tricks as like like the best skaters at the skate park but i can guarantee i out outlasted all of them from the moment we started the session to the end because i had endurance from from big wheel blading. that's really cool yeah uh,
0: other than endurance has your approach to aggressive skating changed at all after riding
1: big wheel blades? um yeah yeah it's it's a slow process it it's one of these things that i complain about and i know maybe maybe the reason maybe since i know it's it's a huge problem but um I I've gotten stuck in this old mentality of, of skating, right? Like I I love hammers. Uh I don't like switch-ups very much. <laughs> like I do like cess slides and and I do appreciate uh like the new kind of skating, but I'm trying to find it. Like I've been actually kind of looking for it. Uh big wheel blading. Yeah, it's given me like endurance, but no like not nothing like mushroom blading i i haven't i haven't gone like too far from big will into the urban skating world to 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 really grasp that like i recently started doing like more set slides to grinds and um uh med spins and stuff like that but not as creative as like uh let's say bobby Spassov. i love watching like that that's really cool what and there, there's another new guy that I that I just recently saw. I think his last name is Danning or Banning. Martin? Martin. Martin Danning. Yeah. Uh he was in um what was that that dude's podcast? The wax toaster? Yeah. Yeah, that kid's really good. Super sick. He off a while, He's like from Norway. Yeah. That guy from yeah. Oslo or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Like I Dude, I just saw him like two weeks ago, which is crazy. Cause like, like, you know, it made me really realize, like, oh my god, man, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm, I've been, I, I, I haven't quit in a long time, but I haven't really kept up with like the real new stuff. He's not really that new either. He's been around for a while. No. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, like, like if 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 I were to kind of think of like. The newer skaters, I would I would probably mention like like Spasa, you know, or or Eugen. Uh, but but there's a whole bunch of other ones that I don't know, and I I haven't quit. I just haven't been watching. Yes, I don't know. I mean, all the guys you
0: mentioned have definitely been around for a while. So there's some fresh, there's definitely some fresh blood. I mean, there's a lot of really young kids. If uh, just on Instagram, you know, have mm-hmm. a lot of kids like 10, 11 years old
1: that are just shredding it now. I know so that's cool I- to see. I've seen like, uh, is it Korea? Yeah, Korea's think, got like, some good little
0: kids. Yeah.
1: Yeah, like they're doing like 360 souls and like, I mean, they've got it down. The other thing is like, um, I guess back, I'll say back in the day, but like, you know, getting a VHS or a DVD, uh, yeah, it was where, kind of where you saw everybody. Now, i i, I kind of don't know where to to look for these videos i guess maybe instagram i don't know their instagram
0: i mean roller news is back and it has all the videos on there for the most part how long has roller news been back i've been back for a while really but yeah you can go and check a lot of the videos on there um but yeah it's definitely you know with videos you just waited you know they were coming out you saw ads in magazines right yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I preferred old video format mainly because you watched a video, you bought it, you watched it like a hundred times. Yeah. With internet edits, you watch them like once, twice, and then you forget about them, and you can never
1: find them again. Yeah, they come here yeah, like <laughs> Dude, I like I have two right now, just two. I have, let me see what I got here. Hold on. I got Billy O'Neill's last VOD and then and then Fish Guys yeah like like that that that's that's really it you know like uh I just recently started following more people and then and then to be honest I just recently started watching more podcasts you know like I just found out about the 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 wax toaster yeah the wax toaster and and the other guy that you interviewed redhead dude with the beard um oh Tom Moyes yeah i love his like his is funny as shit like um and then when i watch these i'm like it's cool because like like everything all the all the people that everybody's interviewing and all these conversations are are really kind of going into my head like i know exactly what y'all are talking about this is cool so i'm not i'm not that far out the game (laughs) back to big wheel blades have
0: you skated any marathons
1: i did I skated one, and I got my ass whooped. <laughs> Not that bad. I think, I think if there were 60 people, I probably got 30th place, 29th place. Um, but it was in Peru. And, uh, and there were a lot of Colombian teams that went out there, and yeah, it was crazy. They, they got me. How were you physically after while doing it and afterwards? Tired, tired as hell, man. Like what? Like it wasn't. I mean, I knew it wasn't going to be easy, right? <clears throat> I, I, and I do like endurance, but these guys were messing with more like endurance plus speed, so they were very, very. Like, physically fit, like, almost like. Bigger, but like stronger. Like, like their legs were like huge. You know what I mean? And and they were cut too. Like normally, you would think like of a like a like a runner to be like super like skinny like tight muscles, but they were like bigger. Just like killed me. Um, I've seen some
0: of those guys before. It's pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, like I I've always thought I had like pretty strong legs. Right? Like I'll flex. i like, yeah, I got this. But like. uh, they show up and like dude seriously like a thigh like that like super cut and then they I mean they got me because they work in teams too I'll say that (laughs) but no they whooped my
0: ass (laughs) (laughs) and have you considered competing in another marathon not after that
1: no (laughs) like I don't want to say that I can't because I hate to say that but uh it's, it's almost like the same type of training that you give yourself for aggressive skating. You know what I mean? Like, or, or anything like, like that kind of dedication of like every single day to like do it plus study it. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure those guys like will spend like, you know, like close to like a, like a full-time job's worth of time a, a, a week. You know what I mean? To, to train, to get that good um i i did so like when i went <clears throat> i had um some power slide swells i think uh you know my skates weren't bad uh i I, I, and I won't even say it was the skates but like you know yeah my whole training my whole thing was just off like they they all had like real speed skates and uh they knew how to like draft off of each other uh, and stuff like that uh and i you know I, I went there originally with the mindset of like if i do good yeah I'll, I want, I wanted to go to the to the one in Berlin. I think it is. Yeah, Berlin Marathon. That has a lot of aggressive skaters that go to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, that could be fun because it looks like you know it's it's a pretty pretty big marathon, and I can't remember the guy's name. He's also a German guy. Like I think he skates for Power Slide. That that wins most of these Bart <laughs>
0: swings. And yeah. Fred, there's Bart swings. He's from Holland, and then there's Felix Rehound He's so from Bart, Germany. Those are both? that's both the parasite
1: guys yeah i saw bart swings that's who i was comparing my times to when I, whenever i was like doing the lake over here well, i mean that's a ridiculous comparison <laughs> yeah but i was like you know i, I wanted that right like i was like mm-hmm. i was like how you know how long is he knocking out a mile
0: right, he did the marathon time? the berlin marathon in like 56 minutes
1: yeah i know yeah it's crazy like you know, I was giving myself the excuse that maybe it's a flat terrain and the lake that I go to has hills. But after going to the, to the, to the marathon I went to in Peru, like, you know, I I got humbled real quick, like super, super. Yeah. They, I mean, I would do it for fun, but I wouldn't God, something would have to be like really triggered in my head right now to say, you're going to go out there and, and you're going to train yourself to win one of those. Like Oh God, I think it's just such a hard thing to do right now. Like it's not never too late for anything, but they they I mean, it's like a job.
0: yeah, I skated a Montreal one. I did a half marathon, and I did it like eight months after I broke my back, and it was
1: miserable. yeah, dude, my God. it's awesome though to to like get back up and do something like that too. you yeah. know? You, you set the bar real high for yourself, which is great. Like because then, you know, if you didn't have that, you would probably be like, oh, I'm not going to walk over there, <laughs> you know, after doing that. Well, I couldn't do aggressive skating, you know, with the Impact. So I
0: was like, what can I do? And that was just a bad idea because I couldn't lean forward, you know, like yeah. I had to stand up straight, come my back.
1: Wow. Now,
0: as far as urban skating goes in Dallas, you guys do have a group that gets together for nightly skates. What's that crew called? And how is that seen?
1: It's called... um. <clears throat> DFW inline skate club is the, the main one. Um there's another one called Pegasus Flyers but say the DFW one is is the the more known one. It's a big scene. Um they meet up every Tuesdays. Um COVID kind of messed a lot of things up. Uh, when it comes to like the like those group meetups, right? Um there's still they're still pretty big, but right, right before COVID, I would say there was probably over 20 people every Tuesday that met up to do 14 miles. And um, all the people were really passionate about it. Like, kind of opened my eyes to like what, what, what skating really is, I guess like, and it's, once again my opinion but like uh a place for people to have like a yeah like a like a group like a like a group of friends you know like um you know it, like you're not out drinking you're not out like like doing something that's very common it's like a almost like a specific thing like hey we skate and uh and we enjoy all this together so yeah it it's pretty pretty cool group yeah yeah, I miss group skates the most living out here in Vermont.
0: You know, that was so much fun doing those in Austin.
1: Yeah. What? So, is it like just really cold out there or not? There's just not a group?
0: Well, there's no cities. I mean, the biggest city is 45,000 people uh-huh. and the other city is like 30,000 people and that's it. I mean, there's 700,000 people in the whole state, mainly yeah. dirt roads. And, you know, we have a lot of skate parks, but it's if I go urban skating like that, I have to go to Boston or Montreal you know so um but yeah so now i do want to talk about your shop so your shop's called carriers you've been doing it for a few years now yep. how did the concept of a shop start like what went into planning it and making it happen
1: okay um <clears throat> i guess all right, the, the, the concept and the idea of a shop happened from from big wheel blading, right? Uh, but it was a little bit before that. Like there, it was almost like a process that that I that I didn't know that I was in, but I was in it, right? Uh, so, number one, <clears throat> I knew I wanted to to stay in in rollerblading somehow, right? Uh, number two. The idea of like having a business in rollerblading was something that I that I always liked. Even since I was a kid, I always wanted to start uh, a clothing company. Um, when I was in Peru, I I started a clothing company called Carriers. Came back to Dallas, sold everything. Did not really understand what I was doing. Spent all the money gone radio silent for about a year maybe longer uh but but the clothing sold well like i sold i sold uh, a lot of clothing at eight town stomp i think philip moore bought some stuff for me which was cool you know like a uh like some some known skaters were supporting what I, what i was doing and the product was good like i i was focused on like using pima and Supima cotton uh, you know, I, I did my research. Uh the logo was screen printed, not not heat pressed. Uh, and it was it was all different too. Like uh the guy that designed my logo uh was doing designs for skull candy and vans in Peru. Uh so like you know, I, I had good guidance by accident. Anyways, started a clothing company, sold it, didn't I didn't uh, know what I was doing, spent all the money. I just kind of left it, and then uh, and then got like a like a spurt, a spurt of like motivation again um, when I would go out skating and people would like ask me, "Hey, where'd you get your skates from?" And I would always recommend my friend in Peru to to buy their skates from him. And then he hit me up one day and he's like, "Dude, like, what are you doing, man? Like, you're sending me all these customers. I got a shop in Peru." like first of all shipping to Dallas is expensive and second if I made it out here why don't you think you can make it out there like start your own shop and he sent me like a whole bunch of contacts and then like ideas too like no you know no other reason besides like seems like you're already doing it dude do it um and yeah that that's kind of that that's actually how how it, it started uh, like I had been trying to sprinkle like these different ideas of like, uh, to myself, like, like what company to start or what to do started with a clothing company. I ended up using the same name from the clothing company for my skate shop. That's, it was all kind of an accident. Well, the name's good. So it works out pretty well,
0: I think for the shop. Mm-hmm. Now the shop, now it's, you're in a brick and mortar store, but originally you started by selling out of your vehicle you, you kind of put some stickers on it and we're a mobile skate shop. Yep. Now, how did, why did you start that way and
1: how successful was that? So, uh, funny, funny thing is, um, once again, like out of, out of same, same thing with the name, right? Carriers, like was just a very bland name, like carry stuff. Cause I still didn't know what I was doing. So I remember when I, when I came up with the name, it was Along those lines, like even back then I, I was traveling a lot. So I would bring stuff from Guatemala, Peru, like a, like a alpaca, you know, blankets and stuff like that. So still like <clears throat> the name was bland, worked out. Then uh, when my friend Carlos, um he, he linked me up with Flying Eagle and um, of course already, ra- already had razors and then these these other ideas that would make the shop work right getting in contact with the uh, uh wholesalers um this this was after i got the imperials from um from lino but but it all kind of like blended together because eventually i hit up power slide and and it all kind of like one one big thing came in um but it all started out of necessity right like uh I got contacts, but I didn't have money. I had a thousand dollars. It's the most money that I had ever had saved because I was traveling a lot. So for me, like you know, having twenty bucks for a couple of days was pretty awesome. You know, I never, I'd never thought about money in, in any other way than than just survival. So <clears throat> I actually started on Facebook Marketplace. was it marketplace, or I, I started? I think Facebook had the option back then. Has wasn't that long ago to be honest, but to start your own company on facebook right so i bought like a thousand dollars worth of stuff from flying eagle and i had my name my logo already and of course just like anybody else would do i started with my friends right like got some of them into big Wills, and then um and then randomly like people would reach out to me about skates because of facebook and, and my my little network of People that I had. <clears throat> and then um when did it really hit? Like when did it? Oh then I started implementing the idea of a skate group. Because I knew that if there was a skate group, then that group would buy from me eventually, right? So I started one called Rollerblading Dallas. Then Jason Reyna hit me up and said, bro you don't need to start a skate skate group. There's already one called DFW inline skate club, which is the one I told you about. He linked me up to them. Uh, I started skating with them and they really helped me a lot because, you know, the customers would come from, from there, right? Like basically everywhere I was skating um, DFW rollerbladers to like those, those groups really helped me out because we were all linked together at this point and it took about took almost a year until i bought the the element and i and 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 wrapped it once again out of necessity you know i had sold that $1000 worth of products and i flipped it a few times and i saw growth right i was like oh my god like yeah i could own a skate shop one day and i started looking um on zillow like how much it would cost to to get a shop like monthly or whatever. Um, and, and most of the places I was finding were between like 2,500 bucks a month to like 5,000 a month. And, and reality was really hitting me where, which was, you're not going to have a brick and mortar anytime soon. I mean, if, if I, I didn't even have enough product to match the amount that I would spend monthly on, on rent. And so then that fear kind of kicked in where it's like, can this work you know like is everybody right because a lot of people a lot of my friends were actually doubting the idea from the beginning they were like dude it's never going to work which of course with my skater mentality like the more you doubt me the more I want to do it you know like and so yeah every time they told me it wasn't going to work I was like it's gonna work I know it's gonna work of course there was fear there but um but if I didn't have that 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 reason to to prove that it can work, I think I would have given up real quick. So when I, when I realized that, that rent was almost impossible at that time, I started thinking of other ways I could, I could sell products, right? Like going to like, um, art shows, you know, like a, a city, like uh city events and like setting up a booth. And then, and then I was like, well, if I do that, how am I going to do it? I'm going to need a table. And then I was like, wait, a van, you know? And, and so, it was like the greatest Eureka moment. Cause I, I started thinking about the vans and then I found the Honda element, which the doors open to the side. So it's not like, it's not a super van, but it's also not like a car. Like I could still use it. And like, it still looks cool, but but it also still looks like a shop. And the way the doors open, like whenever I would go to the skate groups, I would open the back and it would open like that. Right. And everything was right there. And the sides, anyways, the the element helped me out god dude i think maybe for like a year and a half after that so I, I i i worked out of my van for like a year and a half to the point where i could afford to pay rent and and have all this back here
0: so that's when you transitioned into your brick and mortar shop across the street pretty much from Eisenberg's used to be Yep. How, how big is that retail space? Obviously not big enough to store all your stuff you have, but how much, when you first moved into the store, how much inventory did you actually have?
1: God, dude. I, also another, another funny thing, like for, for anybody who's thinking about opening their own shop, um, you know, it, it is a process, right? Like, and you have to the, the, the fun part about the process is just like skating is coming up with different ways to achieve your goals, right? But when I, when I first started the shop, uh, I didn't have a display case. Um, fuck, I probably had like, maybe, maybe 20 pairs of skates. And, and I actually unboxed the skates and I didn't, I didn't have very many shells either. So it was perfect. Like I would put some skates on display, like the left and the right skate, like on different parts of the store. And then I would stack the boxes underneath. So the, the empty boxes looked like there were more skates in there. And then you had a full shop. Uh, pretty clever. <laughs> it worked for a little bit, dude. Then, then, Oh my God. Then it, it turned into this, this funny joke that me and my friends had. We even made like funny garage band songs uh, called, if we don't got it, we can order it, right? And there was these whole, like whole slew of songs that that everybody came up with uh, because that was a thing. Like if if I didn't have it, I would I would still write down the customer's name and number, and I would give them all the information that they needed as well. And uh, to to the point where they they wanted to get the skates from me, uh, and and it worked actually because I wanted to give them the skates. So they gave the customer would be patient with me and waiting and i would give them a good deal and then i would also like expand my um my variety of skates that i that i carry it still kind of works that way to be honest like i'm still expanding in these ways
0: how difficult was it for you to open some accounts with different companies as a new store
1: um not not too difficult i guess like the most difficult part was like placing minimum orders right like some of them did like tell me like it it would have to be i'll just say a thousand dollars over a thousand dollars right to to be able to to work with them and then on top of that like making the shipping worth it um but as far as like contacting them wasn't wasn't too bad i have been skating for a long time and and i did get to meet a lot of people that that made it a little bit easier but um all in all, not not that bad. I got lucky in a lot of a lot of ways.
0: So you started mainly with big wheel skates, but you said you did have uh, razors in the beginning,
1: as well. Yeah, razors razors were the first aggressive skates that I carried, uh, but and, it, did, it did take some time.
0: So it was razors and flying eagle. And what do you carry now for inline
1: skates? And you also carry quad skates. What, what quad skates do you carry? So as far as quad skates go, it's all through power Powerslide Kaya. Uh, Chaya or Kaya, I do want to carry Moxie one day, uh, for sure. Um, but just for now, it's Kaya as far as quad skates go. Uh, for fitness skates, I've stuck with uh, Power Slide, Seba, and FR. I've done some Rosies. Um, once again, it's like my mentality, you know, like I got kind of stuck in these funky ways. Uh, to where like I feel like Seba, FR, and Power Slide have have kind of stuck with skating for a long time and kind of pushed pushed the sport. Like uh, you know, rollerblade is a great skate, but I feel like they're very bland, you know, like they're just kind of selling stuff to customers. And and K2, of course, is another one of those just like big kind of corporate brands. I do. I have been thinking about selling Rollerblade and K2 recently just because like it's nice to have more variety and then kind of juggling when and how quick you can get stuff. Like, but my store is small. So I, as, as far as like having a small, small store, it it helps me stick with companies that I, that I trust, you know, that I, that I personally would skate myself. I would like, you know, to support. And you started doing,
0: I mean, you've been selling online since the beginning, but how is your online sales compared to
1: in-person sales? Uh, I mean, I get them like, I would say, I mean, if I'm going to say a percentage, like, I don't know, maybe 25 to 30% of my sales is online. Everything else is in person. That's that's what's really helped me and us, like everybody who's worked in the store, is uh, the personality that we're bringing to, to the table. So like my store is in downtown Plano, uh, close to where Eisenberg's was. Um, but but that area is like a, it's kind of like a little poppin', like urban younger person area. So like if, you know, if you're going to go hang out somewhere, that's one of the hangout places. Uh, So I've I've had a lot of people just, walking down the street come in and and buy a pair of skates randomly the first time it happened i, I honestly i couldn't believe it and then and now it's just a thing so um yeah I, like i i've i've used a lot of different like ways to to make it work um like like a storefront and 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 bringing in people that that have no idea about skating like i'll share all the information i can uh what's up kiba this is my dog kiba he skates with me all the time (laughs) he's a ceo (laughs) he's got his hands crossed that's funny (laughs) he's dope um so like uh giving them information for example someone comes into the store and they're an aggressive skater by the time they leave they don't just have a pair of aggressive skates. They've they've gotten information from me, like who also aggressive skates, but I also link them up to DFW rollerbladers. So they have someone to skate with. So, so they can link up with other aggressive skaters. Um, now I don't do this as much anymore, but I was giving a free lesson with the purchase of skates, mainly to mainly the fitness skaters or, you know, brand new, brand new skaters. It just got really busy uh, with that. Uh, so now like in some cases I do, in other cases I, I give a really good discount, uh, either way, like the lessons are cheap compared to what most people would charge. Uh, but that, that's another guarantee that someone's gonna fall in love with this sport. Like, I feel like I've broken the, the process of skating down to like the most minimum to where, to where I can sell the skates and people trust it. How many people work for you or work in a shop? two right now it's two um I think I've had three people before and and it's funny because the shop is small but you know it's a small shop and it is skating so the pay isn't isn't amazing uh and the the people that I trust working there are normally my friends and we're all in our 30s so it's got to be worth it for everybody so we we kind of alternate shifts uh right now we got two right now we got Tomas and Aaron Gates Someone asked, "Why do you always leave a mess after your shift?" Wow. Yeah, uh, because <laughs> I am like, when it comes, it's so funny, man. Like, when it comes to being in the store, like, I'm really, I'm, I'm good at talking, but I am so bad at, at just like working in general. I am all out there, so like like let's say last week in particular, this guy came in from Austin. He drove all the way from, I think he said round rock. And he's like, I've always looked at uh, rollerblading. I've skateboarded all this time, but I want a pair of aggressive skates. And I was like, all right, dope. You know, like, what do you want? And he goes, I don't know. And I was like, and I just broke all the skates down to him. Right. And he's like, do you mind if I try some, I was like, no dude actually try every single skate on so he did he tried every single skate on and then he went back and forth from the aeons the mary munoz and the the them moopies in the end right he he tried on Rosies. he tried on razors sls anyways he was there for like i think no less than an hour and a half right he was there probably longer which is which is fine but then People started coming in and and I and I give the same service to everybody else. So if you can imagine, like I I want everybody, I, I want everybody to leave happy, but I also don't want to I don't want to have to deal with like people coming back and saying, I don't, I didn't like this, I don't want that. Like, like the return process like is one thing, but just like thinking no one's no one's gonna enjoy skating is, is another, right? So, anyways, yeah, dude, like I'm like a tornado in there when people come in. They're like, I want this. I'm like, yeah, I give it to them. I give them whatever they want, like for roller skates and, and inline skates. But roller skates are a great example, which happened to me that day as well. Um, the girl liked the roller skates, but she wanted to skate outdoor mainly. And they come with a hybrid indoor only wheels. So at the same time of dealing with a bunch of customers, I'm I'm changing out the wheels on these roller skates and I, I, I'm still selling them at the same price. Uh, so... Yeah. By the time it's all said and done, the last thing I want to do is clean up. <laughs> well, there we have it. Yeah. Sounds like a good excuse. <laughs> yeah. It's a good,
0: I've been thinking about it for days. <laughs> now it's- you're the only inline skate shop in Texas. How many people do drive there from other cities, like the guy that came from Round Rock? Because mm-hmm. I tell people all the time, you know, like in the Austin groups, to ask for skates to drive to Plano. So I'm curious, how many people
1: actually do drive all the way to Plano? a lot like uh i've had people drive in from louisiana uh oklahoma like a couple people drove in from oklahoma i've had a lot of people drive in from austin um and and it's not like the, the funny thing is it's it's not my it's not my friends right it's not people that i know it's it's random people so like yeah uh people will recommend them or or tell them like yeah there's this shop in in dallas it sells aggressive skates in particular right because i'm the only one that sells aggressive skates <clears throat> and uh or like fitness skates yeah i get i get quite a bit of people coming in from austin oklahoma and, and then louisiana is the funniest one to me like that that's a long ass drive but people want a place to put their feet in a pair of skates and then get good information too uh like you know there's dick's sporting goods and an academy um And a lot of people who come into the shop will tell me, yeah, I was just at Dick's and they tried to sell me this rollerblade, but they didn't know anything about it. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's what happens when, you know, you don't go to a real skate shop.
0: Yeah. I mean, we used to drive from Austin to New Orleans to go skate. So it makes sense that somebody would drive from Louisiana to get some skates. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's, it's, it's cool. Like it, it's working. Um, And Dallas has a lot
0: of spots too. They can skate afterwards
1: yeah so that's another thing that guy I told him three skate parks to go to um on his way out you know oh and his girlfriend had just bought a pair of skates from Medusa which is which is in Austin it's a roller skate shop uh so she got her roller skates and she was really cool like uh she was pretty patient too because she she had just gone through her process of of getting skates um but yeah I mean it's I think it's worth the drive like uh not just because it's it's my shop, but uh, because the information that people get when they when they come in there, like it's not. I always give this example. It's not like you buy a pair of skates and then I, I say see you later or see you, see you never. You know, I, I want to see them again. I I want to see them progress. Uh, so does everybody else that works at the shop. What are some
0: things you learned along the way that you would wish you would have known at the beginning to make
1: the whole process easier? Oh, God. Um. All right definitely like definitely i mean i didn't have very many options but the colors of skates right like not every girl likes a pink skate and not every guy likes a blue skate you know like i bought pink and blue skates and they took forever to sell um because yeah i was i was i just had these two extreme options like black and white skates sell the easiest um and change the laces or whatever but uh yeah that was that was a that was a cool little mistake luckily because I didn't take out a loan I know if if I would have made this mistake on a larger scale it probably would have kicked my ass um organization I mean most I guess most people who would open up a skate shop probably skate themselves and if they do skate themselves I I can I can imagine they're not the most organized people. Uh, I, I could be wrong. But, um, you know, it, it takes a lot of, like, settling down and saying, hey, this is a real business. I need a POS system. I mean, I, like, in the beginning, I even had some friends come in from out of town who were like, dude, what? Like, how are you doing this? Like, I, It was like I was using Cash and uh, Venmo and Zelle. Like I, I, was, I was just trying to, try to work, you know. Like and then, and then, uh, and then I got the little square thing with the, the, the little thing that goes into the audio, right? Running their cards like that, in, in the shop. And uh, uh, Merrick from Head On Skate came and visited Texas and swung by the shop, and he was like, "Dude, you're doing great, like, but man, you got to get organized." And he's like, "You need a POS system at least." I got the POS system, and boom, I could see like, like how it's going and all that. So yeah, like, if if anything, I probably should have done a little bit of research on how to run a business. Well, you did pretty good. You're still around. Yeah, it did. Like, <laughs> it worked out. Is there any
0: uh, shops or or brands or people in blading that have inspired
1: you in your business? Yes. Yes. For for sure, Eisenberg's, right? Like, I mean, I was uh, like, they, they helped me out a lot. Like summer camps, right. I was, I was teaching at summer camps. Uh, I was allowed to hang out behind the counter. You know, I saw the way I saw, I saw the way they, they did the whole thing. Right. Uh, they were, they were awesome. Like never, never held back on sharing anything with me. Um, and then, um, merrick with head on skate 100 percent like when i went to europe i went to poland three or four times and i got to see i got to see them go through two different shops i think at least two different shops maybe three uh, and the way that he viewed and and tackled rollerblading and owning a business um i really look up i really look up to him to merrick and then uh my friend carlos from peru who like pretty much inspired everything um he he helped me out a lot um yeah I, I would say I would say those three were like like where I kind of morph myself from and then and then the help that I got that I've gotten on the side like Matt Mickey uh has definitely like thrown customer customers my way where they call me and they're like hey uh yeah uh Matt Matt uh or um uh, Intuition Skate Shop uh, recommended uh, recommended us to you. Uh, same thing with inline warehouse. Uh, they've thrown some customers my way. Oh, wow, so That's amazing. It's cool. Cause like when they did that, then I started seeing doing my business in that way of like, uh, if I don't have something and I can't get it fast enough, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recommend them to other shops, right? Like I, I don't want them to buy skates from me so bad that this person is just going to lose that itch to skate. Because some people do. Some people come in that day, and if they don't buy their skates that day, they're probably never going to buy skates again. You think there is room for more shops in Texas? For sure. Um, yeah, I like it's a. It's kind of bittersweet, of course, uh, because I know it would. It, it could take away from some of my sales. Um, but yeah, I, I think like as long as it doesn't become like a, one of those competitive things, I think it would be, it would be perfect. The more people skating and the more people that continue skating, the more people that are going to buy skates. Right. Like I remember in the beginning, I would always, I would always say this like out loud to everybody, like, especially man, especially when people would talk about new, new, new companies starting, right. Like some people would get so flustered about a new company starting On roller news, this would happen a lot uh, where they would they would say, like, why are you starting another wheel company or why are you starting another this company? And then I would I would think, why do you care? Like, you guys are fighting over crumbs like you guys are fighting over what's already here instead of creating something that should be there. Right. Like if I if I can bring 50 50 more rollerbladers into skating. That's fifty more customers for every shop, and if that shop is doing the same thing, those customers are going to come right back to me. Like, that's the way it should work. Like it, that mentality is so closed off. Like, I see a lot of like right now. There's uh, Mesmer, there's Icon, uh, there's Gods. Uh, Rollerblade is coming back. I mean, I guess I guess it hasn't really gone anywhere, but you know, like you're starting to see these these new brands of skates like pop up and i think it's great like i don't i don't think they're killing our sport or new or a new shop would kill the sport like or or kill my shop as long as everybody's putting their part in to create more rollerbladers every every shop and every brand has their own let's say genre right like for example mesmer i love, I love what they're doing. I think I think that that's amazing. By the way, shout out to Chase Rushing for that design that he that he has on the bottom of their soul. he's He's an amazing person, first of all, and 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 an artist. like, and he's so quiet. Like he will never he'll just sit back and just watch everybody enjoy it, which which I love. but but, yeah, like I, I love Mesmer. I love what I love what they're doing. It reminds me of back in the day, like, whenever, uh, whenever Shima, whenever the, the, the Shima skate was out, like, everybody was kind of rockered out, right? And then Razors was, like, the kind of, like, um, I don't know, like, hip-hop, like, that crew. Uh, and everybody had their group of people that they were marketing to, right? I, I think that's amazing. Like, if there's a new shop in Texas and they, they create their own vibe. They're gonna bring a whole new group of people that maybe I couldn't bring in. And and some of those people will trickle down to me, and some of my people would trickle to them. There should be more shops actually everywhere. Like in in every state, there should be, at least in every state. But yeah, every city, like I have people that complain about driving from Fort Worth to Dallas or to Yeah, I mean, the cities are so far apart in Texas that you know,
0: probably 95% of people that are recommended to go to your shop don't just because they don't want to drive yeah the three exactly. or four hours to your shop so definitely i feel like there's room if somebody wants to open a shop they should not pigeonhole themselves and aggressive only
1: yeah <laughs> they yeah. should
0: have big wheels they should have quads because you know or even some like you know like a sdsf skate shop in escondido they mm-hmm. made all their money off frisbee golf because the skate park and the frisbee golf course were next to each other frisbee yeah. golf is what created all their profit to order skate stuff so yeah. you know you can go outside of blading you don't have to do everything but oh. you know you need to have something to support the aggressive side of things
1: yeah like like i mean look at julio like uh i saw so- what what was he selling the other day that I, I just i i noticed like oh mox i think i think i think they're selling moxie skates now yeah they sell like- moxies now yeah they do yeah and then they sell like the clark shoes and clark shoes and and other cool little things like why not i mean why not like this will bring like i said different different genres of of skaters into our world which is which is really what we need not not just like like you said pigeonhole pigeonhole into aggressive yeah or just pigeonhole into like a style also oh you know? like when you do that i mean you're really you're exclusive but you're cutting everybody else out right like uh Yeah, this this sport has a has a lot of room for growth if people look at it more like a like a blank canvas. Are you selling anything non skate related in your store? At this moment, no. Like you know, helmets. I I do have some. um, Well, they're not here. Uh, Some uh, longboard wheels that I accidentally bought that I that I sold. Bearings. I mean, no nothing really i have thought like of selling like you know something different like um like those those bungee cords that go from like tree to tree that Mm -hmm. the slack lines slack lines uh yeah i did hit up neil's about his uh about the protein the protein shakes that he makes the powder or the protein powder that sponsors him um but it's still kind of like a a slow growth for me just because I'm I'm limited by the shop. I'm actually finally, finally to the point where I've outgrown the shop. So at this point now, I have been thinking actually of opening shop number two. I've just been trying to figure out where I'm going to open it. And if it could, well, if I open another one, I wouldn't want to close mine down by accident. You know, I wouldn't want that new shop to close this one down and then just totally mess my So you would up. have the
0: second shop in the Metroplex of Dallas?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would want to do another one far enough away for the people that don't want to drive all the way to Dallas. Um, but I, it's it's a hard thing for me to grasp because I've finally gotten myself out of that. I finally gotten myself into the comfort zone. What's so a scary idea for me to take that next step but i know i i know i need to I, Yeah, if you i mean if you find a good location with a
0: decent rent you know or at least something maybe near like public transportation
1: or something exactly see the shop that i have now does i'm gonna put this uh, my computer on the charger um, my shop now is right next to the dart but it's just so small dude it's like literally i mean it's it's smaller than a bedroom it's like a long kind of hallway type thing. I had a guy come in on Saturday and was like, is this the entrance to the shop? And I said, yep, this is actually the whole shop. And he goes, are you serious? He's like, I thought this was the hallway. And I was like, no, this is the shop.
0: <laughs> That's hilarious.
1: It's so funny. <laughs> but he loves it, right? Like, he not out there forever. <laughs> how much of your growth do you attribute to COVID? A lot a lot of it to be honest like uh I didn't I didn't see the type of or the amount of customers until COVID right like it was working I mean before COVID I, I actually had a second job I was working for uh Josh Glowiki's brother doing uh epoxy floors as my part-time job so I would bounce back and forth from that job to the shop the whole actually that whole story is kind of funny because it was on it also right after I hit my head. Uh so like you know, I, I'm in the hospital, I don't know shit, like I'm I'm out, right? Totally out. I get back, I get back to the shop, uh, and this is this is right at the beginning of COVID, right? This was in March. <clears throat> Open the shop up, and then boom, like COVID uh supposedly is like I mean COVID is shutting down businesses. Uh maybe maybe I didn't follow a lot of the rules because I just didn't give a shit. And uh yeah, people were bored. Like bikes were selling out. I had Fox News come out and like interview uh interview um one of the guys that was working at the shop. And I also asked him the same question like how much do you attribute COVID to uh to sales going up <clears throat> yeah uh, i would say a lot and i think it's i think it's really based out of like people maybe getting the second opportunity to enjoy their their time outside
0: and do you think that trend's going to stick around or do you think in a year or two people get just back indoors and stop skating
1: it's it's up to us it's up to us like i said the facebook groups right like um COVID has has done a really good job at isolating some people and getting some people out right and and you know I got myself into a few different things besides skating this these past years right like I, I bought a dirt bike and then I started rock climbing um and none of the neither of those stuck because I I wasn't really meeting up I didn't have like a group to meet with right so like Just doing it alone, and as much as I love it, like you know, doing doing you can only do so much alone for so long, right? Uh, I think skating can work because rollerbladers are very accepting. If we see another rollerblader, like if I go to the skate park and I see some random aggressive skater, I'm not just gonna let them skate alone. I'm gonna approach them and and at least talk to them a little bit, right? I think most skaters are the I'd like that um, whether you're a fitness skater or aggressive skater like people share like a this, this funky little passion um, uh, yeah they, they can bring someone in so I think if if it is going to stick after COVID I think we have to do a good job of like creating this creating and maintaining this community that we got
0: what's your future goals for carriers and is there any dreams that you've had that you want to make happen
1: yeah yeah god man i've been i've been bouncing these ideas like back and forth i just don't know which one to do first um when was it october in october i was looking at warehouses to start a skate park to open a skate park uh and then and then you know kind of like like the element right like the honda element my my first shop, reality hits you and you're like, well, you know, that's too much money to spend a month or a year. How else can I do it? So right now I'm thinking if I can get a big enough place to be able to give lessons out of, I think it could do a, a huge, it could, it could maintain what I've, what I've already got going on and hopefully progress into a, a skate park. A skate park was like the dream. So Gabe Holm in boston he does a thorough
0: skate shop he does a lot of lessons a lot and then his he outgrew his shop he does more than just inline you know he does like skateboard and longboard and snowboard too but he outgrew his space and so he opened a skate park during covid and if you look at his instagram you can see every single deck and every single wall in the skate park is boxes skate boxes so it's like also his warehouse. So it's like and it and he only rents it out for private like you know like 10 people at a time type of thing. Yeah, yeah. So uh it's easy to maintain. And something yeah. like that might not be a bad idea, you know. No, like a that... warehouse slash
1: slash yeah. skate park.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean for me like anything. I I've, I've missed a few opportunities by the way like I actually I had gone to a place with an agent found a spot almost like what ricardo lino has now like a it had like a upstairs and all that and it was like yeah the the beginning of covid or you know like when i started really seeing progress and i was still like i was having the same question that you gave me which is like do you think this is going to continue you know so I, i looked at it the guy gave me a price it was a good ass price right now I am kicking myself in the ass by not taking that opportunity. Cause in Dallas, uh, uh, our uh, real estate has gone up a lot. Like, I mean, houses like have almost doubled in price and then, uh, spaces as well. And, and business is thriving here. So it's, it's kind of, it's a bittersweet thing. So like business is good, but now like spaces are expensive um but yeah like god dude like for me right now like even if i could just set up like the grind box in the space and a part of the space and then i have i still have people skate back and forth inside the shop but it's so uncomfortable for for me and them uh for me because the space is small um for them because they have so much stuff to run into you know but uh but yeah like god that would be amazing like warehouse slash something to grow into would be so sick have you seen like there's a skate shop that was in tennessee
0: asphalt beach they got destroyed in tornado a couple years ago but they were around for a long time they just reopened their new store is really cool it's a pretty big space and it actually has a painted track where people could skate around in a circle yes. in the middle of the store and then, all, so the whole middle of the store is empty yes. and then everything's on the walls yeah it's super cool you should check that out i'll send you yes. a link to it you could
1: check it out. Close to, yeah, send, send me a link because that I, I draw this stuff on on paper, right? Here's here's another thing. Like I know it's like not 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 crazy or anything, but uh, bringing things into reality involves writing them down for me. If I don't write it down, it's not going to happen. Uh, I love checking stuff off my list. Um. So so when I was thinking about the skate park, I actually I drew it. And and taped it to the wall at the shop, and it has a it has a track around it. <laughs> it's cool, yeah. Yo, you like this then? It's so thick. Asphalt beach. So
0: yeah, it's a it's a cool shop. It's been around, but they used to do a lot of razors tours. We go through there. I think they had a skate park back in the day. Damn. Um, now, I want to move on to the last topic, which is injuries, and you've had a fair share of injuries throughout your career. The most severe being at the powwow when you hit your head now how bad was that injury how long were you in the hospital
1: and how long was the recovery period okay it was really bad like really really bad I I kind of I'm excited to finally share some of this uh some of the stories uh I still have the video on my phone like I found who had who who recorded it now I think the people that got it the worst were my friends and family because in reality I wasn't there right like I don't remember anything except for waking up one day and and realizing that I've been there for I think it was like two and a half weeks let's say and I had been like talking I was talking to invisible people so I had like these invisible friends that i would point to my mom i had a invisible daughter uh weird like and then and then i would go into like being myself and recognizing everybody and then i would go into these tantrums of like i would rip out my ivs and i would take off running i thought that i was kidnapped at one point so i like i was accusing everybody of like kidnapping me uh it was what i from what i like yeah from what I hear, it was I was a huge pain in the ass, right? When I woke up, or when I when I actually came to, I remember I saw my mom in the hospital, and and I I kept thinking I was in in Dallas or in Austin when, when they whenever they would ask me like, do you know where you are? I'd say in Austin. You know, I for some reason I kept asking for my friend Troy, uh, who lives in Austin now, right? Uh, Because I knew I I was at a skate competition. Anyways. um, When I, when I looked at my mom and I was like, Hey mom, we can still, we can still make it to that competition, let's go. And she's like, well, Fritz, it's uh, it's Tuesday. And I said, uh, shit, I missed the competition. Well, at least it's, you know, at least it hasn't been that long. And she's like, no, it's, been like two and a half weeks, like, and I was like, "No fucking way!" Right then, the reality hit, but it was funny to me because I still didn't know how severe this whole thing was. And then they had me like do these like tests, like uh, I had to do like memory quizzes with the nurses. Like we would walk around and we would like make make these stories. It was a long process, and and I and I knew. That they did not believe that I was actually awake, like that I was actually there. It was weird because my mom. I knew there was something wrong, but now that I look at it, she had, she would she had just run out of tears. Like she was just, I had accepted that I I was gonna stay like this. The doctors told my mom to to yeah to to look out that I might not ever be the same again. Um, I had I think two fractures in my skull and three blood clots and internal bleeding. So all my blood was going in my head. Uh, so like at one point my eyes were swollen, my face was swollen. They thought I, I, they they thought I busted the front of my face. And then since it was COVID that was, that's another story. Uh, it's a really extreme story, but anyways, like my sister came there, um, She found me throwing up blood and, and I was like in a mixture of a whole bunch of empty beds. So they had forgotten about me, didn't have an insurance card. So they didn't rush me. They didn't, they they, they didn't know what to do with me. Anyways, like when my sister asked them, uh, what was wrong with me? Um, and then she had to threaten them to sue them. If they didn't show her my papers, then they rushed me to ICU. Cause then they finally looked and long ass story, but, um, but yeah. So yeah, finally I, I, I come back to, and they, they, they let me leave and they, they linked me up, up with a neurologist here in Dallas. I still wasn't really understanding how crazy this was, uh, until I, until I started getting the headaches and I had to inject myself with blood thinners, uh, three times, three times a day, I had to inject my belly which was painful. I had bruises all over the place. Um, Then I couldn't sleep. So I had to get like blackout uh, drapes for my room. Um, Anytime the light touched my, my eyes, I would wake up. I was sleeping two or three hours a day. At one point, I didn't believe that at one point I thought that I had died. Like, and this is after being out of the hospital. So I would touch textures of the house or of my car to say, okay, this really exists. I'm really here. And the recovery process was, was weird. Um, after I got home, it was about six months until they let me rollerblade. Well, they didn't even let me rollerblade. They just said after six months, I could do activities again as long as I was careful with my head. And then, and then I think nine months in, I started aggressive skating again. <laughs> So how long did it take you? Well, did you have any
0: any problems with like motor f- function skills with any parts of your body at all, or mm. was it just mainly in, in your just brain and, injury?
1: Yeah, um, motor functions not really. Oh yeah, I was getting vertigo, and I still get vertigo every now and again. Uh, I had vertigo almost every day. Uh, just like standing up real fast, or even laying down was weird because. Even if my eyes were closed, I felt like the room was spinning. Um. Yeah, I I actually didn't think the vertigo was gonna go away because uh, they told me I bent a tube somewhere here in my ear that causes vertigo, and I also don't have a uh, sense of taste and smell. Still, <laughs> to this wow. day, yeah, I can't, I can't. How's s-
0: how's that? I mean, do you
1: eat different now? Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, actually, for about about seven months i did a whole vegetarian diet uh because i just really couldn't taste anything right I, and i kind of i'm kind I'm of kind of go back and forth from it so like if, if i see anything good veggie based i'll eat it um i'm trying to go back into that smell is crazy though like not smelling not being able to smell is really weird like i've had people open up like Barbecue grills and I can't even smell the smoke. It's just all gone. Taste, I can I can taste sugar, I can taste salt, I can taste sour, but it's just the very basics. But yeah, taste and smell is totally gone. That's
0: crazy. I mean, you got such a bad injury. Yeah. So, you know, at least it's just taste and smell right now. Yeah. You know, you could still be in a condition you were when you were in the
1: hospital. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel pretty, I feel pretty blessed. I also, once again, feel pretty spoiled too. Cause like, like I said, the people who really suffered the most were my friends and family cause they were worried. You know, I'd, I, I didn't know I was there or not there. <laughs> so uh, it's a really crazy process. Did you just snap one day
0: from like back into normal yeah. Fritz? Yeah. Like,
1: yeah. do you remember that day? Like, yeah. It, it was the day I, like, I, I looked over at my mom. She was sleeping on, on the little chair. And, uh, and I, and I asked her, what am I doing here? Uh, why are we here? We should leave as soon as possible. Cause they're probably charging the shit out of us. <clears throat> and then, uh, yeah, I, it was, it was fully me. And then having to like, It was, it was weird because I didn't know how long that I was, I didn't know how long I was like that. I thought it was like the next day. So having to convince everybody that I was okay was hard. They had me, they had me on a censored bed. So if my back would come up above a certain point, the sensor would come off and the nurses would come in because they knew I was probably trying to run away. So the cost of that had to be enormous
0: being in the hospital for
1: so long. Yeah. How's
0: that affected you?
1: Um, it's been all right. Like uh, Josh created a GoFundMe that helped out a lot. Um, the cost in total was around five hundred thousand dollars.
0: Wow, that's crazy! Uh, yeah, pretty crazy much. system we have, isn't it? Dude, they won't even see you right away at the hospital, and then you gotta pay five hundred thousand dollars, and you have a
1: crazy injury. Yep, it's enough to to really piss you off. Like on some of these, some of the some of the bills I, I called and was able to just completely get out of them. Um, I still have some that like randomly call me uh, and, and, and some that I paid that they still call me. It, it's, it's a huge pain in the ass, but uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm definitely okay with that now, but it was, uh, it was a process.
0: Do you feel like the same person from before your injury? Or has your personality changed at all?
1: Uh, no, I, I'm I'm aware of some things. Like, definitely, like, man, it's like, it's a, once again, bittersweet thing. Like, like the idea of dying, I never really crossed my mind like that. So now, I like, I have, man, I almost have a fear in it. Uh, where where i want to do as much as i can uh yeah i just want to do as much as i can like 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 enjoy or get as much as, as much out of my day as i can every day but i'm also very frustrated and agitated because of it sometimes it almost holds me back so um and and this this is definitely i believe a cause of that injury um and then sometimes I get aggravated easier you know like um and then skating as far as skating goes I get scared easier so it used to happen before but not as much as it does now like like if I hear an ambulance going by I feel like it's a sign telling me don't go and I can almost like Like imagine how I'm gonna fall and all that, Uh, which is yeah, it it kind of pisses me off. So like, and then wearing my helmet like, um, on Sunday I was out street skating, and I have a truck and I have my helmet in the back of my truck and I thought I saw the pad fly out and I was like oh great that's it there goes my skate session, because, you know I. I really can't skate without my helmet, not aggressive. Like I'll go fitness skating. That's for me, you know, it's still not that fear isn't there, but aggressive skating. Like I almost feel sometimes that if I skate aggressive without my helmet, I'm almost asking for it. Like I might, like I might gravitate there. It's just fucking weird. In the
0: COVID sessions edit that you put out, you're skating in that with no helmet.
1: I was skating in that with no helmet. And um, I ended up getting a lot of shit from my aunt for not skating with my helmet. And yeah, after that, that's it. Yeah.
0: So we know you know, some other skaters have' had some head injuries, maybe not as severe as yours, but you know, Mason mm-hmm. hurt himself badly. and um, Ryan Rasmussen, I was there for his head injury. Yeah, I was there. And, and Ryan did wear a helmet afterwards for a short period of time but then quit wearing one and and obviously mason usually wears one how important do you think i mean even without getting injured i mean you wore a helmet in eisenberg's days yeah, yeah. I, I mean do you think people should skate with helmets Yeah. like with the helmet debate
1: yeah yeah i think yeah everybody should wear helmets like i will say like uh like you mentioned the that edit right the the COVID edit that was like a smaller you know a little ledge right like definitely trust myself more on on little things like i said i you know i'll fitness skate without my helmet i think everybody should know when and where you know when and where to wear their helmet i guess like uh in some cases it does seem silly like i mean i'm just gonna say this but like I, I still I still wear my helmet all the time, but like skating a P-Rail or something with, with your helmet on. Like back in the day, I would have roasted anybody. I'd have been like, What you're not gonna not gonna hit your head that bad. But I mean, you never know. Like that like the head is like very sensitive. When people ask me when they come into the shop, like what kind of padding do you reckon? Helmet. Like like this thing right here, like you can break an arm, you can lose a limb. But if this thing goes wrong, like that's it. Like you're not really gonna enjoy anything because you might not even know you're there you know um i think everybody should have one and and know when when to wear one if they can wear it all the time wear it all the time but if you're really battling with the idea of oh it's not that cool whatever like or you if do you think it's holding you back then then know that like on something big or dangerous you should probably consider it more like i mean every everybody can make their own decision but
0: do you think at uh, competitions? Where there's a high level of skating, dangerous tricks, they should
1: require yeah, to wear helmets. Definitely, definitely for for liability, for sure. Like if, if if we want to go that route, at least like, you know, for a business standpoint for that for that business owner. But like, yeah, dude, like during a competition, I mean that's where people like they, I mean that's where people think the least. That's when they just say, "Hey, you know what? I am gonna backflip from that quarter to that." I don't know, death pit right there, you know, like got to wear a helmet. Like it doesn't make any sense. Like, and not just that, but for the young kids watching, like there's so many people watching you that, that are influenced by you. And, and if, I mean, yeah, like if you trust yourself and you can do a double backflip with no helmet, and you know, you're going to land it. Great. But think about that kid that's watching you and thinking, yeah, I'm going to do a double backflip with no helmet. You know, like, like think about think about who you're influencing because this is a sport and if we want it to grow as a sport like we gotta start being a little bit more professional we can start with wearing helmets at the very that's a
0: great that's a great point you know i don't think a lot of or most people realize that they have an impact on other people and just themselves especially somebody who's a professional and has a fan base and people wanting to be them yeah yeah now when you were you know, in the hospital and everything. What was happening with your shop? Was there somebody taking care of it? We actually,
1: or we, my sister actually closed it um, because it, they didn't really know what to do. Maybe I think we, I even ran out of products. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it, it was closed. It closed. Um, once again, Glowicki, Josh's brother, uh, who also rollerblades, who's was one of the guys that I met uh, way back in the day um dude he he came in and helped out so much like i had two people working there at the time and uh he paid them he paid them uh for their for their last week or whatever before they had to take that break um my sister didn't know what to do plus i think maybe because of covid she she just put a sign on the door and and that was it it was just closed when I came back, um, I wasn't even allowed to drive, uh, but I that oh, that wasn't me. That's my dog snoring. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like a fart. <laughs> um, yeah. When, um, when I got back, I, I, man. Yeah. When I got back, I was even having headaches, uh, using my computer, but I, like, I, I moved real quick. Like, I think, uh. A few days or maybe a week after they told me i couldn't drive i got in my car and i went straight to the shop and i and i looked at it and i was like oh my god like no way i can't lose it right now like and then uh, i hit up my buddy justin who was working there at the time and we came up with a little plan on how to how to keep this thing going and yeah he helped me out a lot that's great you were able to salvage the shop because you know yeah look at it now yeah it's doing great could, things Dude, it could have been gone quick and and it honestly, if I would have, if I would have just kind of like laid back and given up, like, yeah, dude, I would have, yeah, I had no idea. At one point we had a queue, like we had people standing outside of the shop, like um, we were having like one customer at a time because of COVID, but we had like 15, 20 people waiting in lines to come into the shop i i yeah I would have never gotten to experience the success of, of the shop
0: and have you had any other injuries over the past few years you've been working with mm, like like uh after my head injury or like or in maybe be-
1: in between or before yeah no, Did you
0: have so do you have did you had surgery or something uh,
1: before I had, I had knee surgery i had a i had a surgery on my meniscus but it but God, yeah, this was before my knee or before my head. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I have no ACL on on my right leg, and and my meniscus is is torn. Um, that yeah, that one that one sucks because my my leg hasn't come back from that. Like it's my quadricep is smaller. Um, I can't bend or straighten my knee all the way. And then um, yeah, like the strength there is just. That's that's why I do a lot of that foam rolling and stretching that I need to do cuz if not I just my leg just doesn't function the same.
0: Have you thought about selling like foam rollers and stuff at the store? That's for, a great idea. You know, for rehabilitation of injuries and
1: things like that. Dude, I haven't, but that's that's a great that's a super great idea cuz I mean, I got I got who did I get the idea from? I think it was Glowiki and Nils like you know, and, and those guys skate amazing. And actually, when I do it, it, it works, you know, simple thing. I would love to do that. I'd love to, I'd love to open a, like my skate shop on a bigger scale, more like oriented towards that, like fitness and health you know, like, okay, you you've got these aggressive skates. That's cool. You can do that. But how are you going to maintain that? You know, like, how are you going to, how are you going to do this for the next few years? You know, like not just stop after one injury. And it's something that I've had to learn the hard way. But if you... yeah. 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 Oh yeah, dude. Oh yeah. Or just the recovery in general who is the most influential person in your life Uh, my dad my dad for sure yeah he he has his own business as well he does granite and marble and his story is pretty cool he used to he used to play for the professional guatemalan soccer team red yeah so he was like yeah he's he's we're very similar actually if you saw him you'd be like dude y'all look exactly the same uh he's taught me a lot, like. And I'm still learning like every, every single day from him. He's like a super quiet dude, uh, super patient. And yeah, he's, he's actually like the person that's taught me to, to kind of like break through those barriers of failure. Like if something bad happens, it's, he'll look, he'll look at me and say, well, it could have been this way. Just kind of like what you said, you know, you were like, hey, well, your business is still here. It's still going, right? Like uh, I've, I've made so many mistakes where normally a parent would whoop their kid's ass. And his, his answer to me is at least you're still alive. At least you're healthy. You know, yeah, my dad, for sure. Awesome, good answer. Yeah. Now, Dallas is known for having its own
0: attitude known as Dalitude. Yeah. Tell me about Dalitude and
1: why do people love to say it so much? Oh man, Dalitude, man. <laughs> shit i feel my dallitude starting to come out right now i'm like yeah i know what i know what you're saying dude we got that um dallitude dude when it comes to skating i think for the most part like we we know proper skating like like at at least like you know like i said how to start on a rail and how to come off the rail if you touch the ground, it doesn't count. Both your feet have to land at the same time. Like we get, we get, we would get down. Like with my group of friends, like we would watch skate videos and we'd be like, "That doesn't count," or "That's so dope," you know. Or if we were watching our own sections, dude, that was horrible. I mean, we would really criticize the shit out of each other. Uh, maybe as far as like creative skaters, like you know, it kind of it kind of limited my group of friends because I mean. But yeah, like, yeah, that was the Dalitude. Like we, I mean, even in Texas, like we would break down some like Austin or San Antonio or Houston guys and be like, that that shit didn't count right there, <laughs> you know? Like, like uh, oh he didn't 180, he didn't come out fakey on that. Oh he, he 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 touched his finger on the ground. He should have done it again, you know? Oh, that was sloppy, you know? Like, yeah, that's that's I think that's the Dalitude. And then we and then we kind of yeah we did we did kind of like keeping our group so like a lot of guys when we would travel would talk shit because we would get our own hotel rooms and we wouldn't go stay at people's houses like like we were like nah, you know we're gonna do it on our own time we're, we're gonna go here you know like yeah we'd get hotels that's not that we thought we were we were better than everybody else but we would definitely talk our fair share of shit and we we knew we knew we knew back then like we had a cool scene
0: that's hilarious i mean dallas scene's always been fun
1: okay That's pretty much going to wrap up the interview.
0: I do have one last question for you. And that is, what do you love so much about roll
1: biting that you're stuck with
0: it most of your life?
1: That's a very hard one because when I think about it, sometimes it's a love hate, right? Sometimes I get mad at skating. I'm just like, God, why am I still doing this? Right. That's been over 22, 23 years. That's over half my life now. Um, I love my friends. I love my friends that I, that I have because of skating. I mean, all my friends skate. I don't have any friends that don't skate, I don't think. Like, at least people that I meet up consistently. The things that I like, music, clothing, like, it's traveling. Almost everything has been morphed, has, has come from skating, right? Like, all my opportunities came from skating. What I like Actually, what I like is what it gave me, which is uh, confidence. When I when I was a kid, you know, I I played soccer. I played the guitar. Uh, I tried a whole bunch of different things. I, I, I was never, like, the cool guy either. I was, like, always, like, somewhat of a dorky, clumsy kid. And then when I started skating, like, I gained this, like, almost like a, my alter ego right my skating ego which was I can jump down that crazy rail and and not die you know like I can do this and and uh yeah it, yeah I think what's kept me into skating is like it's given me this I don't know confidence this thing this and this thing that I enjoy too it's not doesn't feel like a job either so it's like like I am working at something And now it's, you know, the shop is a whole different thing from my skating, but um, skating is you work at something so hard that doesn't really give you anything more than just this like quick, cool satisfaction, right? Like if you, I could, I I remember I could spend like the whole day trying one trick at the skate park and it would take me, you know, I I would land it, it like the process was like 10 seconds of landing that trick. But, oh, my God, that whole next week or month, I'd be like, holy shit, I can't believe I did that. And then I would move on to this other thing that would like, pick me up, basically. Yeah, that's what I love about skating. That's awesome.
0: I mean, I remember seeing you as a little kid, you know, at at Eisenberg's skating, shredding the place. And it's been cool watching your progression throughout the years. And with the shop now, it's all rad. I'm going to have links in the description below to your shop and social media and some of those video sections we're talking about so people can check those out i really appreciate you coming on the show and chatting with me telling your story it was really fun to hear everything you had to say
1: and Thank i you.
0: look forward to seeing you in dallas sometime or maybe see you at some event coming up maybe miami we'll see what happens
1: yes let's dude let's make that happen man i i hope so too like i think it'd be super sick um either miami or or, or blade cup
0: or you can come to Vermont for the Vermont Rampant Camp. That would be dope. I forgot <laughs> about that. Or it's the New England Blade
1: Camp. That's so, so sick. Yeah, five yep.
0: to five days of skating, four nights of camping.
1: That sounds sick, dude. That sounds fun. And then Big Wheel Blade for sure.
0: Yeah. So yeah, we'll keep in touch. I'll talk to you. So, but anyway, I'll say goodbye. It's been a long interview, and uh, take care. Thank you, dude. All right, that's part two of the interview with Fritz Peitzner. Pretty crazy story about his head injury. I'm glad that he's wearing a helmet and everyone should consider wearing a helmet as well these days, especially if you're competing or just doing some gnarly tricks because you never know when you're gonna get injured. Thank you for watching this interview. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure to hit the like button, subscribe to this channel if you haven't already. Hit the bell icon to be notified of all new uploads. I have links to my social media in the description below, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can follow me on all of those. I also have a link to my Patreon page. And if you want to support this channel, consider becoming a Patreon member. You'll receive exclusive content not available on this channel, as well as being entered into my monthly giveaways. I also have a link to my donation page in the description below as well. Thanks for watching episode 17 of the Den Outblading Podcast with Fritz Peitzner. We'll see you soon at episode 18.